our last month of team changes, tricking through the rainforest, and manual labor on the farm. Welcome back to another episode of the Created For More podcast. I'm Morgan White, and I've been living in Costa Rica for the last few weeks with my new team. During our week of debrief at the beginning of this month, we concluded things with our second world race teams, and then were split up into one final mixture of new teams. This round, I was asked to be a team leader, actually, and I'm now surrounded by three guys, two of which were on my last co-ed team, and three new girls. Our ministry assignment is located in the northern part of Costa Rica, and that is where we've been serving ever since. We are partnered with a local church, spending a few days at the actual church building in a small town, helping with back-to-back activities and services and kids' programs. And then the other days of the week, we live further out in the country, painting and renovating this building that will serve as a missionary school in the future. So for most of the day, we're painting and cleaning and building a fence and that sort of stuff. Put all this work together with both ministry sites, and we are doing a ton of stuff. Like This is actually one of the busiest months of ministry I've had on the race. There's not a whole lot of downtime, but we've been able to get a lot done, which is really cool. Our first day here, we actually found this huge music festival that was going on nearby, which seemed kind of random because I'm telling you, like, it's a small town. Um, But me and a few teammates decided to check it out. This is literally like an hour after we had just arrived at the church, but we had nothing else to do for the day. And we spent some time just walking around at this huge venue. There was a massive concert that had happened a few hours before we got there. So at this time, people are just like visiting different food stalls. And there was like a big DJ and dance floor. And I mean, this place was actually really massive, um, which was so surprising for a small town. But tons of visitors were there, a lot of tourists, but a lot of people just from around Costa Rica. We kept asking where people were from. And many of them said the capital city, San Jose, but they had came all the way up north just for this music festival with a lot of popular um, Latino kind of reggaeton artists and stuff. And so it was a really sweet time of evangelism, quote unquote, um, but really just walking around, enjoying the activities and talking to locals. We had some really cool encounters and conversations with people because in the end, evangelism isn't some sort of separate focused ministry. It's just kind of doing regular everyday things that you could be doing at home, but also here in Costa Rica while you're on a mission trip or whatever. But you're just you're living like regular life and just sort of seeing what happens. And so in this case, we got to just meet up with people. Thankfully, a lot of the people there spoke English. And so we were able to have really great productive conversations and just saw like how the Lord worked. Um, It wasn't anything forced. We weren't trying, we didn't have an agenda whenever we're talking to these people. It's just letting things organically kind of unfold as they do. Um, But yeah, that was really awesome to start the month off with that. But then as soon as we transitioned into our actual scheduled work, um, I started to get a little disappointed that we weren't doing much evangelism regularly like we did that first night, like we've done in a couple other months, um, and that we were just sort of stuck out on a farm doing manual labor and not exercising the gifts on this team. Um, because my new team is extremely gifted in evangelism and loving people, especially the unseen and marginalized. But cool things have come from this month out in the middle of nowhere. Being on a new team, it's helped cultivate community and friendships because we have no choice but to spend time with each other because there's nothing really else to do whenever our work is done for the day. And when you're doing sweaty manual labor like painting and cleaning and building, you bond with your teammates through that as well. And there's just less distractions out here, right? So it lets God have more of our undivided attention 
And I know when I've been painting that wall for an hour, I'm thinking and processing oftentimes out loud with a teammate and God will join in on that conversation and put little thoughts into my head. And so it can really be fruitful time, but um, even though it's not the ministry placement that I would have imagined, um, good things have come of it. And I actually prayed and asked Jesus if next month our team would be placed in a city and hopefully do some type of like evangelism. That's really what I asked him specifically. I was like, God, I would love to be in Panama City next month. I don't know if that's the same idea that you have, but I just want to let you know, like, (laughs) I think it'd be really cool if we could be in this like urban environment and be able just to go talk to people. Um, And turns out um, that's where we were scheduled to do ministry. Like I got our phone call a couple weeks ago and Um, yeah, they told us that we would be located in Panama City, literally doing evangelism. Like, that's what it's written as on paper. Um, We're going to be, like, helping out with this church, this organization that does evangelism, specifically in Asian immigrant communities. Um, But we can talk more about that in the next episode once we're actually in Panama. But just to tell you, like, that was such an exact answered prayer. It was so cool. That was something um, our team was really hoping for. And praying for specifically, and then he made it happen. It's really awesome. I'm so excited for that. So that being said, we wanted to make the most of our time um, on the farm, and, you know, he wanted us there for a reason, too. So even though it's not ideal and it's not what we pictured, um, a lot of great stuff came of it. So to kind of talk to you about it, um, being out on the farm is a really interesting time. It's a very open building structure that is surrounded by sections of the jungle, But there's also like fields and stuff nearby and cattle and like a little dirt road running past the property. Um, Sometimes like we'll just be eating a meal like at breakfast in the morning, breakfast at 6 a.m. to start the workday early. And you could just like look out past the kitchen and see actual monkeys like jumping around um, in the trees or like toucans flying by. Or one morning we saw an anteater climbing in the trees. There's just stuff like that. We were like whoa, like this is where we are, because sometimes you can sort of become numb to it, um, or you're just like, yeah, here I am at this farm, like sleeping in a bunk bed, whatever, it's super hot, bugs are attacking me, but like, I don't know, it's little sobering moments like that, where you're like, whoa, like this is actually um, a really unique place to be situated in for one month, like I'm not going to have this opportunity any other time, Um, but the house also has little fruit trees here and there growing bananas or coconuts, and even for meals, we're constantly eating fresh tropical fruit like pineapples and mangoes, it's so nice, I love that kind of stuff, and with almost every single meal, we eat rice and beans, that's a staple here, of course, and we usually have coffee a few times a day. As you can imagine, it's very good coffee. You don't need to add a whole lot to it. Um, And it's ironic, too, because our host, Tony, who is one of the most genuine people I've ever met, he was born and raised in Costa Rica but doesn't like coffee. And so he's always, like, making some for us, but he never sits down and has a cup with us. Um, Tony's funny, though, too, because he has us stand, like, in a circle before every meal and he'll read scripture like very dramatically, not in like a in a showy fake way. Like that's just actually how he loves to read the word of God. And he just gets a little bit theatrical with it. And then he'll just like shut the hardcover Bible with like a loud thud. And then we all like clap and he'll jump up and down and like pump his fist in the air. And he's like an older guy too. So he, but he's just very energized and has such a pure heart. And so that's a fun way to kind of come back together for each meal. Um, As a team leader, I've learned how hard it is to communicate with hosts um, and get that important information. Some months are easier than others. I've seen that practiced um, with my other teams and my other team leaders, but 
there's like this slight language barrier sometimes, oftentimes really, and then the host can easily get off track when you started the conversation talking about the schedule for the day, and then as soon as you know it, they're telling you some story that has nothing to do with anything. So it can be very trying to get answers you need to tell your team what the week is going to look like. Um, It's also funny to be put in a leadership position now because normally when we arrive at our new location, I would kind of hang back and let other people on the team talk to the host, figure things out, and I would just sort of go with the flow. But now people expect me to go and ask those questions and be proactive, but then also communicate it to the group. And then they start asking me more questions and I'm like, guys, I don't know, like, let me go make a list of what you want to know and then I'll ask them again and try to get it figured out. But like I mentioned earlier, sometimes that's really hard to do. So you have to be very flexible in general, of course, anytime on the race, but even more as a team leader, you have to recognize what your responsibilities are and also realize that you're not there to do other things too like just know what your role is but don't put that burden on yourself and that pressure to do other things that you technically aren't responsible for or else you'll just spend yourself like you'll just be exhausted by the end of the day because it can be so hard to coordinate these types of things you don't have all the answers and you are in fact just a regular racer like everyone else but it's good because my team is very graceful and relaxed for the most part too so that helps a lot I do think God wanted to me to be in this position uh, for the remainder of the race so that I could be challenged get out of my comfort zone and also learn how to use my voice more corporately Like it's one thing to sit here and record a podcast, but it's another to be the bridge between the team and the ministry we're assigned to. And it's fun too, because little ideas that I have about the future involve just that same idea of being a bridge between two things, whether that's like another country and our government or like from the people to the government or all sorts of things, refugees and regular society. Like I just love this idea of kind of taking complicated information and simplifying it and communicating that to other people for their benefit um, and sorting out what's important and what needs to be said versus what's not. Um, I don't know. So it's just kind of fun to see little traits of this role highlighted that could be beneficial for the future and things that already interest me. Um, Learning how to communicate ideas um, and sort through the scattered info and explain it to others in reality, like those are things that I enjoy. Communication is very important to me and it's something I've been affirmed in a lot, but there's most definitely a transition that happens when you go from hanging out in the back, speaking only when you want to, to now being put in the forefront and expected to have something to say all the time, like have an opinion about what's being discussed. Um, But one of my teammates encouraged me though, a couple weeks ago, they said that I make them feel like they are the captain, like our team. He's like, you know, he's like, your leadership style, we know that you are the captain of the ship, but you also make us feel like we're the captain too, like there's freedom with it. And that really meant a lot because I wasn't sure what this was going to look like practically. Um, And so it was fun to know that there's a little bit of a back and forth kind of balance between um, sort of like a rigid leadership structure but like not, but like allowing them to kind of have a say and do whatever they want, you know? Um, So that was really fun. I enjoy that balance a lot. Once a week to kind of switch gears, we get to visit another part of the country um, or visit somewhere and have like a quote unquote adventure day. La Fortuna is the first place that we visited during our first weekend. There was this hostel that we found. It was sort of highlighted to us on the internet randomly and got a good deal. 
once we got there, we met this local guy who's like, who worked at a deal with the owner of the hostel or something. And he was just living there, but like also lives in La Fortuna. Like he's not a tourist or anything. And he's actually a full-time tour guide. And so we become friends with him and he ends up offering to like take us around the next day, basically for free, like just paying for gas. And um, yeah, like stuff that he would normally do on a paid work day, he did for us just as like a friendly gesture. And it was so cool because he knew exactly where to go. We didn't have to coordinate anything, but he was also genuinely excited to take us around and show us his favorite parts of his beautiful country. So this is when we went further into the rainforest that was situated below a volcano and got to go on a hike and like see a couple waterfalls and he would just point out like animals as we were walking by and like beautiful toucans and red-eyed tree frogs and like all that typical stuff that you picture he was pointing out um, and like fresh herbs and stuff that were growing like centronella and stuff and he would just pluck it off and like give it to us to help ward off bugs and whatever he's just like sharing facts about the country I mean it was a legitimate tour but it was just like a, a friendly tour you know like it was so casual which was really fun like we didn't have an agenda for the day um that was a really cool time just to I mean we saw a whole bunch of stuff but then later that night like got to get dinner as a team and hang out and anytime you stay at a hostel you're going to meet other travelers and sometimes those are whenever the coolest conversations happen it's fun to meet people from other countries and kind of see what they're idea is of Americans and I think so often we get to um like pleasantly surprise them um of what they think they know about Americans or like American culture but like then they get to like talk to us because so many people oftentimes have like negative ideas about us unfortunately and so yeah we just we like interacting with them though and just to hear where they're coming from and um you kind of get in this like world race bubble sometimes where you're just like interacting with locals a lot for for wherever you are and like you've done the research and stuff and you start to become um used to where you are and what you're doing just with the people who are from that area so whenever you get to like take a time out and meet people all the way from like Germany or the UK here in Costa Rica it's just kind of trippy for a second but it's really fun um, it just like mixes it up it kind of like re-energizes you and the drive that you have for other cultures and other types of people and why you like to have those conversations um, yeah, so they're always really fun. It's kind of a fresh perspective every so often. Our second adventure day that we went on was to Montezuma Beach. We got off to a really hard start. We missed the first ferry the night that we were supposed to leave because we got there too late, traffic and stuff like that. And then the next morning, we missed the first early morning ferry. <laughs> and so then we had to take finally the third ferry that was available. And so it, it kind of cut off some of our time. Like it ended up being shorter than we had anticipated. But I think God just blesses that time still, of course, and like takes advantage of the time that we do have. And so we were able to spend like about a day and a half on the beach, again at a hostel. So meeting a lot of really fun personalities and stuff. Um, and then getting to explore on our own. It's a very rocky beach, but they said it was like some of the biggest waves that they had had in months, which was really cool. We got to visit this little island where the tide gets really low. So you just get to walk to the island, which is really fun. Um, but it's like a cemetery on the island, kind of creepy, kind of weird. But it was fun just to like pop over there and visit. And then we came back and um, again, like sometimes the best like moments that I have on on our adventure days is whenever we go out to dinner or something like that and like especially as a team and so a few of us would go and 
we just get to like check in with each other and sort of regroup our thoughts um, and express them to each other. Um, in general, our time in Costa Rica, whether it's been at the farm, at the church, doing ministry, or out on adventure day, I just haven't been taking as many pictures recently. I've been sort of like frustrated creatively, if that makes sense. My camera stopped working about a month ago. My good camera that I bought specifically for the race just like all of a sudden stopped taking pictures. Every time I tried pressing the shutter button, it would turn off. Um, which is really, that's hard for me because I love taking pictures and that's been like my main media format of being on the race aside from the podcast, but is sharing pictures and like photography. And so now I'm having to like revert back to using my iPhone. Um, I don't know. It's a little hard. (laughs) I'm just trying to like adjust to that. Even it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but once you get used to using a nice camera and then you go back to an iPhone six is what I have. And it's just not the same at all as you can imagine, but also like being out in nature, it's not my favorite thing to photograph. Um, I don't know why it just kind of depends. Like Costa Rica is very green. Um, I don't know how to explain it. And we're also like out on the farm most weeks, you know, like we're way off the grid And so I think I'm just like sort of suffering creatively, but I need to get over it. And what's cool though is that hopefully I'll be able to revive myself in this way in in Panama City. I love being in that type of, um, I don't know, environment, that atmosphere of like urban life in the city and stuff. And I think it's a lot of fun to photograph. So maybe that'll kind of help like re-inspire me to take more pictures with my phone. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think I just need a little bit of a new inspiration, a change of scenery again, which we change scenery every month, you know, like I should be satisfied with how often we move around, but I don't know. It's just kind of a weird spot to be in, but yeah. Okay. So Costa Rica has this slogan. It's, uh, Pura Vida is like the English way of saying it. But if you say it with an accent, it's like Pura Vida. (laughs) Um, and it's used for everything. It means pure life, but they literally say it as like a greeting, like you hop into your taxi or whatever. And they're like, you know, you just say like, hola, like, como estas, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, pura vida, como estas. Or they say it as like, um, as a way of saying you're welcome. If you say thank you, they say it as they depart. I mean, they just, they literally say it all the time. They especially did this in La Fortuna and stuff, but, um, out by the beach as well. Our host and like some of the locals we met don't, but like, depending on which kind of area you're in, they'll say it all the time. Um, and so of course it's on like t-shirts and all that stuff. For the most part, no one really speaks English, which sort of um, surprised me, but I guess it shouldn't. Like Spanish, a lot of the world speaks Spanish, so they just, I guess in a lot of these regions, they don't really have a need for learning English, um, especially in these smaller, more rural areas that we've been in. Um, So I've been able to practice some of my Spanish, which is kind of cool. Like I can sort of understand some whenever people speak it, if they are speaking slowly. Um, but also like having a very broken, scattered conversation, like sometimes that happens too, but it is fun to practice. It's fun to learn new slogans and slang words and stuff like that and phrases and everything, but also to like reaffirm some of the things that I learned in college that I forgot because conversational Spanish is much different, of course, than classroom Spanish, but, um, we have a squad leader with us this month and next month, the same one, and she is she's not fluent. And if you try to convince her that she is, she'll fight back. But like she, she makes it like she helps a lot. So that's been really helpful, but we don't want to rely on her too much. We need to learn it for ourselves too. Um, so that's been really cool. 
uh, we're grateful to have three more months of Spanish after having two, and you know, hopefully we can pick up on a lot more, um, having five consecutive months in Spanish-speaking countries. Um, so back to this idea about the farm and our ministry, like the middle of our week is at the farm painting and then the guys are building a fence. Us girls helped them uh, towards the end of our stay because we finished painting and there wasn't as much to do for us. And man, like building that fence is hard work. Like we mixed concrete a couple of days and helped them like pick up rocks and um, shovel things and then go out and like set the posts and like um, mash them into the holes that they've already dug out, like just stuff like that. That's stuff that they had been doing all month. And I remember they would always come back to the building, like to the house, sweaty and hot and gross. And like, I imagined it was hard work, but gosh, once you start doing it, like it was, it was really tough. We were super sore when we left. Um, so it gave me like a new appreciation, appreciation for what they were doing. Um, but then the other days of the week, we travel back to Platinar, which is the church. That's the town that the church is in. And we help out with the activities at the church. So they did a little kids club on the first Saturday and the last Saturday. Then we would visit the church's youth group that night. Um, someone would share a testimony. We'd worship with the youth. The church is also where we met the three teenagers who came out to the farm with us the next week and helped us out with all the painting and fence building and stuff. It was Kenneth, Alex, and Raphael, just these three local kids who are best friends, a lot like brothers, like ages 15, 15, and then 18. So there's an older one, and he kind of serves as like this mentor, um, older brother figure in their lives. But like they all have had sort of these like hard broken pasts um, and the church has really provided a safe space for them um, but they are wow they're so much fun to be around again they only speak Spanish so like communicating with them was hilarious and really awkward sometimes but gosh it just shows you that like language doesn't really matter at all because we became best friends within a few days like all of us on our team the guys and girls with these three teenage boys and just had like the best time just like taking pictures or listening to music and like they loved the lord so much and i don't know and they were just such hard workers and we'd get to eat meals together and just goof around and like we both parties knew that like we couldn't understand each other and that that was sort of awkward but like it's still like I don't know, you can tell it resonated with them a lot. Like, they really enjoyed having us there. And saying goodbye to them was super weird um, and definitely sad. But, yeah, that was just a... I'm really glad that we had that opportunity to spend time with them, separated, like, on the farm, away from the town. Um, they're just, like, so loving and affectionate, too. It was really great. On Sundays, though, we would do stuff at the church during the morning service. Again, someone from the team would share a testimony or a message of encouragement or pray over the offering, sing a song. We'd all get up there and try to sing a song in Spanish and stuff and like be looking at our phone for the lyrics. Um, and then in the afternoon, we teach three different classes. There was an English class, which is what I helped with, a drawing class, and then a piano class. Kind of random, but it's some stuff that people from the community were interested in signing up for and so we just kind of we would wing it and just show up for these classes and figure out how to like teach them English and stuff and go over all the basics and it was really fun just to see like people from all ages kind of come and sit in these free classes that the church was providing for three weeks with these missionaries from America um, but yeah I'm trying to think of maybe other things I could tell you that would help sort of paint the picture of what it's like here we sleep in bunk beds the first night, 
my teammate Sydney and I tried sleeping in our hammocks that were hanging outside by the kitchen, but these huge flying beetles come out at night and just zip through the air and hit your face and land in your hammock and, oh, it's disgusting. So we like, you can try to cover yourself with the side of your hammock, like cocoon yourself in there. But then it gets really hot and you can't sleep because you're all sweaty. So literally that first night we tried it for like 30 minutes, but the bugs were just unbearable. Um, a lot of other people were smart and they brought a bug net, but we did not. And so we just went inside and ended up sleeping in our bunk beds in this tiny room, very stuffy. But there's this little fan that we rigged to help keep us cool so it wasn't too bad. Um, you must understand though how hot it is here. Like it rains a lot, so it's also very humid, but this is a tropical climate, palm trees, rainforest, all that. There have just been many times where I've been working or even just standing, talking to someone and I am dripping in sweat. Um, and a lot of times after we were done working for the day, which we usually would end a few hours after lunch, some of us would work out sometimes in the house, sometimes outside and you just have to shower as soon as you're done. Like, it's unbearable. You're sweating so much. The showers are freezing, so at that point, it feels fine. Um, but I would just be, like, washing my face twice a day at least because it gets so oily. Um, I don't know. You'd think that after, like, eight months of being in relatively warm countries that maybe I would have adjusted. But even just back in the States, I cannot stand summer weather. So that's just been one of the hardest parts of the race and this route specifically that I chose of being nearby the equator and being in all these summer months and stuff. Like, But Costa Rica, I don't know, Malaysia and the Philippines were pretty bad too, and Nicaragua. But dang, it has just been really hot. But we survive and it's fine. You get over it and you just shower the next day and shower that day, it's fine. Um, it's also just very simple living out here. We, we eat our meals together. Someone helps the host cook during our team times this first month as a new team. We've been sharing testimonies to get to know each other's backgrounds and life story. We've gone on a few excursions together and we wake up early for work together. Like I said, it's been a really busy month, but I think God has been prepping us and getting us ready for a very social ministry next month in Panama city. We leave Tomorrow, um, month eight is finishing, and so we just have Panama, Colombia, and Ecuador left. I was originally going to be recording this podcast like while we were still on the farm, but our last day was like so different than other days. Like we started out the day kind of normal. People are just sort of doing odds and ends, and then I sat down in this little room, this other room with bunk beds, to record the podcast, and literally. As I was sitting down, I hear the host call us out there. He's like, yeah, we need you girls to uh, help go pick up rocks. So it's like, okay. So I left my stuff and we went and did that for like 20 minutes. And then I came back and he hands me a shovel. And he's like, I need you to shovel two wheelbarrows of sand and like three of gravel. I was like, okay. So I did that. And then it turned into eight wheelbarrows of sand and six wheelbarrows of gravel Okay, so we did that, and then it turned into mixing the concrete and then pouring them into the little form things to help make the posts for this fence, and it just ended up going all night, essentially, so my iPad and stuff was all left in that room in the house, and everything was set up, on a water bottle and everything, you know, whatever, the typical setup, and after we were done with the concrete, it's like 7 p.m., and they made us coffee and pancakes as a snack, it wasn't even for dinner, 
And then they were like, hey, we need a, we're going to go walk out here for a second. So we're like, what? And it's like kind of raining, like kind of misting. They lead us like down the dirt road off to this little path in the woods and like take us up to this mountain. I was like, okay, this is where we die. Like this is the end now. And it was just kind of, they just did not give any context to it, you know? And so we're like walking and all of a sudden these stairs emerge from the ground. Like, I don't know. They're just deep back in this like jungly part. It's just so random. I hope this is making sense. So we're just walking down this trail, but then there's stairs. So we're climbing up these like tile stairs. And then there's just a big clearing in the middle of the trees with some wooden benches. And I don't know what they do with the space. We had no idea it was there all month. Like it would have actually been cool to go visit this at some point other than the very last night on the farm. And so they're like, we're just going to worship and pray, you know, and ask the Lord for just like vision for this place and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, like I can get behind that. That sounds really nice. And it starts pouring rain again, also like really beautiful because you're just like in the middle of these trees and like, it's already very tropical looking and stuff, very green. And, um, but yeah, like everyone's just kind of like praying and then we start singing some songs and I don't know, like. And after that time was done, we went back to the farm and then they served us dinner and it just gets really late and everyone showers and stuff and went to bed. But then we left in the morning and it was just like the most random night, um, most random day because it was so out of the ordinary. But like it is typical world race to think, start your day thinking that you're going to be doing something and then you end up doing something totally different. Um, so... We ended that time at the farm, spent a night at the church. Now we are at a hostel back in the capital of Costa Rica in San Jose. San Jose is actually a really cool city. It's impressed me a lot. I didn't know anything about it, but this is where we had our debrief, and now it's where we're spending a couple nights before we head to Panama with just our team. The other teams are going to be coming in tomorrow morning before we catch the bus, but um, yeah, this is just a really restful time. Um, I got to do, I got to listen to like a sermon and take notes and call my mom and stuff like that. But I especially wanted to record this podcast. So we're in this beautiful hostel right now and it's just, it's very relaxing. Since we're on a co-ed team, we're going to take like a special night to, with just the girls and go have dinner, which I'm excited for. Um, but yeah, it's, it's odd. Like I took a real shower earlier, like the hottest shower I've had actually like since being on the race like the warmest water I've had for like 30 minutes I did not want to get out of there um and I just feel clean and normal um Sydney and I walked to Starbucks earlier like I don't know you just like you get plopped back into the middle of a city and you forget that you were ever even out on a farm with ants crawling up your leg and biting you and stuff um there's this funny moment earlier in the month like because we were getting attacked by these ants you would stand somewhere in the gravel and they would just like climb um into your shoes and start biting you and I was like these ants in Costa Rica need to be recognized by the United States government as a terrorist group like they are so intense the bugs in Costa Rica are no joke um yeah but now anyways we're in paradise essentially I feel like I'm in Cinderella's castle like we're just I I actually had to use a blanket last night I wasn't sweating like there's not air conditioning here but we're higher in elevation in San Jose and it's like breezy and it's cool I wore jeans earlier today like oh my gosh it's the trippiest thing to go from like pouring sweat and like humidity and like my hair's going crazy it's always up and stuff to now like being here and like relaxing and oh my gosh like just take a regular shower 
yeah, anyways, um, so we're going to meet up with our teams tomorrow morning and take a 17-hour bus ride to Panama City, Panama. <sighs> that is, yeah, I don't look forward to that, um, but we keep we keep our travel days interesting. Again, like, also, we've been separated from the rest of the squad. Like, our teams were all in totally different ministries this month, and that hasn't happened in a while. So every time our team gets back, like, our whole squad gets back together after being separated, it's like this huge, big family reunion. It's actually really sweet, really intentional. Um I don't know. It feels so good to see everybody like whenever they all come back. At first, it's kind of overwhelming. Like sometimes I kind of shy away from the personal contact and like the excitement and the emotion of it all. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't know what to feel. And like, this is too much to see everybody at one time and hug everybody and go through the motions. But really, like when you're gone, even just after a month, it's so funny to see this stuff play out like in real time. You just arrive to like the bus station and everyone comes colliding back together and giving each other hugs and like asking each other questions about the month. And since we get like this 17 hour bus ride, we're going to have plenty of time to catch up with each other. And yeah, it does make me really happy knowing like I'm going to be seeing some of my favorite people tomorrow morning. But for now, I'm really going to enjoy this time at the hostel. And I'm glad to be able to record this podcast because I did not do a single one this month. I did pretty good last month in Nicaragua. I had like three, I think. But man, when I tell you we were off the grid this month, we were off the grid. And that shouldn't be an excuse. I could have recorded, you know, at some point um, and then uploaded it now. And you could have had three episodes waiting for you rather than one from Costa Rica. But Also, like I said, it was a very busy month and I was just tired and sore all the time. Um, I'm excited though, really for Panama City. I want to try vlogging maybe. We'll see if I, if I feel adventurous enough to record videos and stuff and kind of document our month that way along with podcasts and like I said, trying to revamp my photography and stuff with my iPhone and a couple of people on my team also have like cameras that they said I could borrow, which is really sweet. So I'm going to experiment a little bit with different um, equipment and stuff, <laughs> um, Yeah, as this episode comes to a close, though, I want to share a few things from American history, of course. Um, In the last couple episodes, we've been talking about sort of like current things and like ideas, Um, but I want to get back to like the history side of things, specifically looking at the 1960s, which uh, that is just one of my favorite times. Um, I think most people know I love talking about that a lot. Several times on the podcast during this segment, we've talked about certain pieces of the 1960s. So like when MLK Day was a thing back, I think I was in Lesotho, um, we talked about Martin Luther King Jr. and the promised land. Um, We talked about human suffering from the Holocaust, motivating black African Americans um, to fight against oppression during the civil rights movement. That was on another episode. I've also talked about Bobby Kennedy. I did trivia with Alex whenever we were in Swaziland. But today I thought it'd be cool to kind of go over the general story of the 1960s, how we went from World War II life in America and post-World War II, the 1950s, and then crossed over into a very liberal, free-thinking age of the late 1900s. How do you go from being a very conservative culture to the love generation and rock and roll and psychedelic drugs of the 1970s and early 80s? Well, the 1960s was that era of transition. So much changed. After winning the war and defeating Nazi Germany, America became set on never letting something like that happen again. Our culture became very clean cut and modest and sort of paranoid and scared of things, of just like the unknown. They had just gotten out of the 
biggest, messiest war and wanted to create a very peaceful place to live at home in the States. That's totally understandable. But this is where the years of communism really took over, the fears and stuff of communism, fear of nuclear war. 1950s became very bland. Our economy was great, and we enjoyed fairly peaceful times, but people were becoming robotic because they were craving that stability. They didn't want to be different or flamboyant because they were afraid of chaos. So this is where you see cookie-cutter suburbs emerge as people move out of the cities and seek that American dream of a beautiful home and white picket fence, a dad who just came home from the war, working his job to bring in the money, the stay-at-home housewife raising the kids, but picture this too, the men coming home from the war, they get back with their wives, they start making babies like crazy. This is where the baby boomer generation of the, 1960, the 1960s emerges. Kids who were born in the late 40s um, and early 50s grew up to be that young, vibrant, excited generation of the 1960s, ready to make some serious changes to the culture. And let me tell you this. This blew my mind. At one point during the baby boom, our country's population surpassed India's population. We had that many people living in the United States. So all of a sudden, you have a ton of young, liberal-minded students in the American universities. They start studying art and philosophy and all the humanities. The 60s was the era of movements and the marches and protests because there was an ocean of young people just ready to challenge every idea that America was living by. This is when JFK becomes elected. He's young and fresh and handsome and symbolized where America was going. It was new. It was exciting. At this point, we were also engaging in another war, but this time in Vietnam, a widely unpopular war against communism in Asia. The same young guys leading a cultural revolution at home were now being drafted into the military and sent overseas to fight in a war that we had no business being in. Of course, many of them protested the draft. There was a huge anti-war movement that sparked after we became involved in Vietnam. You had all these movements start rising up to fight for civil rights, to protest the war in Vietnam, a lot of different things. Also around this time, though, TV becomes a big deal. We had our first televised presidential debate with Kennedy and Nixon. TV shows and pop culture become completely revamped. So all of a sudden, TV reporters are now on scene reporting live in the South as protesters march the streets on the ground overseas in Vietnam. So average people at home are now watching TV, seeing horrific images of police clashing with civil rights protesters and images of Vietnamese civilians suffering in the brutal side of war. What used to be hidden because of a lack in technology during World War II was now being broadcasted right in the living rooms of Americans. This helped motivate people to become more involved in social issues. This is just a glimpse into a really pivotal decade, but it gives more context as to why things were unfolding the way that they were during this time. I think right now America is in its own version of the 1960s, so it's important to recognize how things escalated and what good came out of that time period versus what problems it caused. And as always, we can learn from the past, but we also have to figure it out for ourselves, how to solve the problems we have in modern times. Yeah, I just love that time period of the 1960s in general because so much happened, a lot of things were changing, and the country was just sort of experiencing their own identity crisis in a way, you know? Um, there was a lot of new things coming up that we had never dealt with before, and so it was trying to figure out how to adjust and how to um, sort of adapt to where the culture was going, and I think that's just happening right now. And so maybe that's another big reason why I like learning about the 1960s because of the way it resembles so much of our modern times, but it was also just a really fun time. Some of the best music and movies and um, president 
I don't know, presidents, I think, came from that time period, and it was just a lot of fun. It's really cool to learn about, but that's all I've got for you today. Thank you for sticking around till the end, if you did, and for patiently waiting for this one episode about Costa Rica. Um, Sorry, I could not make more, but I'm excited for the next ones to come up in Panama. I don't know if you read my last blog about some stuff I was processing when we were in Nicaragua, but I think it's really good and it helps put the world race into more perspective. It gives you a really fun inside look of what goes on in the minds of world racers sometimes. Definitely what was going through my mind. I shared it with a couple of people on my team and they were like, this, you know, like I want it tattooed on my body. Like, I don't know, you should go read it if you haven't. Morgan E. White, .theworldrace.org, where you can read that. Of course, you can follow our trip through my photos on Instagram at American Morgan with an underscore in the middle. Um, yeah, that's all I got for now. See you next time.